All right. Um, so, remember, we have a test coming up on Monday. So, the test is typical to what you're used to. It's going to have 10 definitions. You choose four of them. It's going to have, so does that, you've seen that. It's going to have a 10 point question um, that's pretty specific about a specific phenomenon or thing we've talked about in class since the last test. And then there's a 30 point question that's about, that allows us to wrap everything up. Yeah, that's what I said. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's worth, it's intellectually to me worth as much as the rest of the test combined. 20, 10, 30, then we get 30. Is that going to be the PSA question? Yeah, that's the question. Yep. Yep. And it, it will be about something overarching for the whole course. Okay? Like, you can bring in stuff from everything. So that's the test. I want to. So first of all, questions about that before I have some sort of review, concluding remarks, and you can ask questions. Actually, um, the final question is because the first part of the definition is not testing okay. that stuff. Uh, the, the ten point question. No, it's it's something we talked about since. Mm. But the rest of the stuff, yeah, uh, it's like the final question, the thirty pointer. It's basic because this, in essence, is your final exam. So the thirty pointer is one that allows, it allows you to show me if you can put all the stuff together, okay? As I typically do with these kind of things. It's, it's, a, it's the kind of question that there really isn't a right answer to. There's an answer I give, but there isn't a right answer. And um, you want to bring in a lot of different stuff. Other questions on the test itself? Okay. Um, I think that, so I want to, like I said, I want to talk about a few sort of big themes in the course, it seems to me, in the stuff I've talked about. I think one of them is that we have to look at memory from the standpoint of that there, there will be representation, right? It's not just stimulus response kind of thing, or even as, yeah, I'd say that, stimulus response. It's not the simple behaviorist world that B.F. Skinner and John Watson thought. That's what it is. But we're talking about representation. Think about, for example, the semantic memory stuff I'm talking about. That's about propositions. This goes with this. Facts about the world, right? How is that represented? Is it a network? Is it a neural network kind of model? It's obviously a neural network, but I mean, is it the model itself? Is it a neural network model? Could be. That's a pretty sensible approach. Can we have sort of different hierarchical levels in there? Mm -hmm. Yep, you know, cat is below mammal, is below animal. But is it rigidly hierarchical like that? Probably not. I mean, why is it that robin is recognized as a bird more quickly than penguin? Right. Well, that's probably because it shares more characteristics with the prototypical bird we have, but that doesn't make it rigidly hierarchical. So there's representation. So that's just the semantic stuff. Um, I think one of the things we can say, I, I think you can say pretty clearly, is we have different 
systems or modules for dealing with different kinds of information. So, episodic stuff, self-referential stuff, is stored differently than semantic stuff. I think that's pretty safe to say. And I think procedural stuff is stored differently than the episodic stuff. Knowing how to ride a bicycle is different than remembering when you rode a bicycle, first rode a bicycle. Those are two entirely different kinds of things. You may sit here and remember one of the first times you rode a bike without the training building. It may be possible for you to remember that. <coughs> right? I, I'm pretty sure I remember that. For, I have a memory of it happening. I don't necessarily remember that. I don't know if it's the first time, but I remember it happening. Because my, my father actually raised the wheels up. He didn't actually take them off, but he, they were up high enough that they were having no effect at all. They were a cosmetic device. That's a whole different <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? You remember that? But when I get on a bicycle, I don't have to remember that to ride a bike. And I hadn't ridden a bike, when we moved back here, I hadn't ridden my bike in six years. In fact, I bought a new bike. My other bike was <coughs> hadn't been ridden in six years. Yeah, screw it. I knew it. I got on a bicycle. I had ridden a bike and said, like, oh yeah, this is how you ride a bike. Wasn't it hard? And I had to ride a bike. The first time I skated in 10 years was a couple years ago. And for two strides, you're a little wobbly. You go, oh yeah, that's right. You just skate. It's fun. I know how to skate. I remember being taught. I don't remember how to be taught how to skate because I was taught how to skate when I was two. With the little bob skates. Yeah, Dan. So, uh, semantic memory would be how to ride a bicycle at the top when you rode a bike? Um, semantic would be what a bicycle is. Procedural memory would be how to ride a bicycle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think we have different systems. And then clearly for things like, for example, working memory, that's going to be separate from sort of the, the, the long-term things like episodic semantic. And we know this not only from <coughs> just personal experience, but also we can take a look at things like different kinds of variables affect the different kinds of memory differently. Levels of processing affects explicit memory, not implicit memory, really. Um, people can get a bump on the head and lose episodic memory, but not semantic memory. They can learn new procedures, learn new skills, like mirror tracing with HM, but they don't remember learning how to mirror trace. Those are what you get are two separate things. I think we should all, I think another theme is that memory is an active process. It's active. We are not, we don't just passively absorb things. Right? Memory is something that happens, and we are active participants in our own learning. We're active participants in our own learning. It isn't, we encode things. We Think about the, uh, the idea of the regenerate effect that I talked about, which is I either have you read the word or I have you generate the word from a bunch of clues, basically. When you generate the item that you're supposed to remember, you remember it better than if you just read it. And I think you all just know this implicit, I hope implicitly, 
that studying, you know this, that just reading the book or reading a paper isn't helpful. Reading it and thinking about what it means is much more helpful. And then finally, the idea that memory is something that is a physical thing that we can't actually measure, but we but it has behavioral correlates. We've never once measured memory. Hasn't happened. In 4007 yesterday, we were talking about how cognition, for example, can't be measured really. What's measured is a behavioral correlate. We operationalize things, so we say, the number of words recalled is memory. We do this in psychology all the time. And it's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to be some essentialist, absolutist twit. You know, I can't really measure memory. I know you can't. Move on. I can certainly measure its products. And we're getting closer to being able to do some of this stuff also with neuroscientific methods, with things like fMRI, PET scan, etc. So those to me, I think, are some big themes. So keep those in mind when you're studying, for the, for the, especially for the big, big question, I think you'll be okay. okay. Does anybody have any questions they want to ask? So review, review things. Review items. Review items to review. Things that they would like to review. Questions that would be... Corey. Um, something you just said a few yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Levels of processing? Yes. Um, what exactly is meant by that? Levels of processing is, it's from Craig and Lockhart, uh, 1972 or 73, uh, well I know it's one of those two. Um, and it's this idea, it's a way to classify memory tasks. And you classify them by saying, memory tasks either have a low level of processing or a high level of processing. Low tends to be uh, something that is a physical characteristic of the item. Like if I'm giving you a list of words, and the word is, uh, let's go with this, chocolate. I might ask you how many ascending and descending letters there are. And there are one, two, three ascending. And that's all you have to do. That's a low level of processing. A medium level of processing would be how many syllables there are. Because you have to actually say the word to yourself. Chocolate, three. Then a high level of processing is thinking about the meaning, the semantic level of it, right? So, on a scale of one to seven, rate the pleasantness of your chocolate. Um, the deeper the level of processing, the better the memory. <clears throat> now, there's an issue there. Anybody see a potential issue with that, a problem with that kind of classification system? Well, how do you know you have a deep level of processing? Your memory's better. How do you get a better memory? Deep processing. Oh, it's circular. It's circular. So Tolving has said maybe the idea of transfer appropriate processing might be better. So, and in this case, we're thinking of word meanings, and when we recall words, we tend to think in, in terms of meaning. So it's just the appropriate kind of processing. Maybe that's a little bit better. I think it's, I'm a little skeptical there. I think what you're doing there is just renaming it. I think it's still useful, levels of processing. I've done stuff about processing. But I'll say that it's, um, and I think Gus Craig, if you were here, standing here, would, would, would first of all wonder why he was here, but secondly, he would say that it was, it's not really, a lot of people take levels of processing as a, contrary to the memory systems approach that people have told me now. 
and it really isn't. It's, it's a way to classify memory tasks and to make some predictions about some data. It's not really a model per se. It's not really a model per se. By the way, everyone, per, per se is spelled P-E-R space S-E. You want to sound smart by writing things with big words and things? Use them properly, please. Actually, that's Latin. You want to use Latin properly? You see that? Well, per se, P-E-R-S-A-Y. You're just a moron. Move on. When I see something like that, I think, well, stupid. And I move on. Usually on the Facebooks and such. Good question. Other questions? Very good question. I like that. <coughs> questions and stuff. The Robinson I tried to blow across the pigeons if you were. Tried it for six months. Nothing. I still have the date in my office. <laughs> it's from like 1995. <laughs> I keep hoping. <laughs> and I don't know, I think I'm hoping by looking at it that something will just jump out. It's not going to happen. Dan, you have a question? Uh, did we uh, cover anything uh, regarding ID that memories? Identic memories? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I don't what do you call it? Um, Photographic memory. Yeah. We didn't talk about it, but I can. Um, I can tell you, well, we talked we touched on it briefly, we talked about memory development. Because memory development is something, or sorry, memory, identity memory is something that happens almost entirely in kids. Um, and it's actually not very efficient. You don't want a memory where you remember everything. You want to, and we do remember gist, we remember concepts, we don't remember. You know, most students, by the way, think they can remember when they're answering a question and they're thinking about a graph in a textbook. They think they can see the graph. I can see the look on all your faces saying, yeah, I think I can do that. I can. Um, easy way to test this, by the way. You give people a thing to read, then you give them a distractor task, and then you give them multiple choice questions, and one of the questions is, what quadrant of the page was the graph in? Top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. You know what? 25% of the people get it right. In other words, it's random chance. But you know what? 100, almost 100% of students are confident that they can do this. It's like 85% are like, oh yeah. I do that all the time when I'm, when I'm answering questions I imagine. Don't imagine. You can't do it. So, and we don't need to do it, because I can think of the concept. Um, so it's an inefficient way for memory is, is an idea and it tends to go away. Kids grow ahead of it typically because it's actually not useful. Let's think about concepts. Let's not think about, and in fact, there are people, and someone's doing this as their, their presentation paper topic, there are people that have memories like that and they hate it. Like it's considered basically a disorder. Anyway, person not here, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, there are some very rare cases where people literally can remember everything and play it back like it's a, it's a video, digital video. Uh, there's not a lot of people like that. Most people think of it as a, not a gift, but a curse. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good to have a photograph of um, And it's exceedingly inefficient. Let's, we, you know, like I was talking about when, I, when you're a kid, you might encode, you encode irrelevant information. I remember the color of the walls in the Sault Ste. Marie Churchill as a library from when I was two. I think, go, I think the stories that I was read were probably better, more important to remember, but I need to cover the walls. It's inefficient. Interesting question. Other questions? 
other questions. It's okay if you don't have anything, too. I will be around, and I have the internet, so... If you haven't signed up for your presentation, you should sign up soon. You should also get your topic approved, which most of you have, by the way. I think it's 34 people now that have their topic approved. Excellent. It should be 41, but it's, it's close. I will warn you, and this is now recorded, you can hear this. You can, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Um, that if you do not have your presentation time signed up for by the first day of presentations, I'm taking the sheet down. You may get a chance to give your presentation. You may get a chance, but <laughs> maybe not. Dan? Where is the sheet? Across this hall from my office. Uh, also, when you're going to give your presentation the day before, email me your, your slides, please. Email me your slides. I don't want you using anything other than PowerPoint or Keynote. Please. Okay. Yeah. Um. Order that they're on, on the page. No, no, we decide we decide that the day of. Yeah. If you're you we could use that order. Sometimes it makes sense. I look at it and go, I come and talk to people, say, you know what would be great if this person went first and then there were these three in a row because they have a theme that is similar. But it need to go that way. And you can decide amongst yourselves so who wants to go first. If you're signed up for, on the first one, this is mean you're going first. If you're signed up six, this mean you're fifth, this mean you're going fifth. I know some of you do that. Go third. I want to go third. It doesn't guarantee anything, okay? Well, I've really enjoyed uh, this class, and now soon, after I get to enjoy uh, marking your tests, I can actually learn some stuff from you guys. So I uh, appreciate it, and I will see you guys at the test on Monday. Thanks, guys.